remember a few weeks ago when we did the thing and I said something, you guys shouted amen? Well, today we're going to do the same thing, but this time when I say something, I want your response to be praise God. All right? Can we do that? I think it's going to be fun and a good time for everyone. Let's see. What, how can we start this off? Uh, let's start with the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, Jesus came that we should live. Praise God. And Jesus. And praise Jesus. All right, let's see. What's another one? Um, no one comes to the Father except led by the Spirit. Praise God. Jesus died on the cross that I may enter into eternity with my heavenly Father. God created me for a purpose. Praise God. All right, you may be seated. Today's word of uh, today's passage of scripture will be coming from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. The word of God says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said would benefit it. Now, therefore... Speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus said the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster a devising and devising a plan against you to return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you and thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to gather in your house. And Father, we ask that you be with us during this time of the service, that, that we may be able to experience you in a new and mighty way. Father, I ask that during this time you take from me the desire to speak my own word, to fill me with your spirit, that I will speak words that are only pleasing to you, that will edify your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I had a really difficult time with this passage of scripture. I've told you, I really did. And I've been up. You know, a, a lot last night and early in the morning looking at it going over and over and over in my head about what it says. And it actually says something really good, depending upon how we look at it. What it says is this, that God is sovereign. 
It's his world and he can do with it what he wants. And that if we as a people come to understand that, that God is in control, that, that God orders circumstances, then we can have a, a life that is more peaceful because we're able at that time to relinquish control of our lives. We're able to, to let go of what we want to be and accept what is. I've had a phrase that's been running through my mind for several months now, and it's never seemed to come out. And that phrase is this, that I think that if we, as a people, can let go of how we want life to be, then we can enjoy the reality of what life is. When we think about Jeremiah and what he saw when, when God sent him to the potter's house, he saw the master working on his art piece, a clay pot. And it sat on the table and, it, and it, that chunk of clay spun and spun and spun and the master put his hand on it and he, he shaped it and he molded it and he looked at it and he saw that, that it, it wasn't perfected in the manner that he wanted it to be. And instead of taking that chunk of clay and casting it out and throwing it away, God used that same piece of clay and started anew. And I think that sometimes that's what we miss in life, that, that sometimes we're not going to get what we want because God is trying to start anew. He's saying, let the old pass away. Let it die. Let it be gone, because until we can let go and let it die, then we're not going to be able to look at the blessings that he has for us now. And I think that that's the, the evil that Israel and Jerusalem kept dealing with. See, God set them up time and time again for, for blessing. And every time they would repent of their sins, they would receive those blessings, and God would do great and mighty things for them. But, but then they started to want to do things their way, that the Word of God became obsolete in their lives. We know how to live. We don't need God to tell us how to live. We know how to, to work in our community. We don't need God to tell us how to work in our community. We know how to build our house. We don't need God to tell Him how to build our house. And God, in all of his mercy and all of his grace, sends people after people after people after people into those communities, to those people, to say this, turn from your wickedness. Stop doing what you're doing. God doesn't want to destroy. He wants to, to continue to bless, but, but unless we are a people who honor God, not just in our words, but in our deeds, but in our spirit as well, by dying to the cross, by letting the Holy Spirit take control of our lives, by letting God be in charge of life, by letting Him order the circumstances around us, instead of telling Him how He should have it done. If we can do those things, then, then God has said to Israel that if you would do those things, that, that I will continue the, the goodness that I brought to you. And it may not look like it always has. I am a potter. I am the, the master who creates everything in this universe. 
And it's going to look like the way I want it to look. See, Israel was called to, to participate in the mission of God. Just like we as the church are called to participate in the mission of God. But we have to let God have his own way. Too many times we meet disappointment in life because we keep chasing after fantasies in life that that just aren't going to happen. If you don't have the resources to pay for something, you can't have it. That's a reality in life. And if we spend our time trying to, to chase down a dream that we can't pay for, We don't have to scheme and circumvent circumstances to to make a move in our way. Those are the things that we need to let go of. See, there was another guy that is in the Old Testament. One of the people that I love to hear about and read about, and his name was Jacob. And I think I relate to Jacob because he was a lot like one of my older brothers. He was a con artist. When Jacob wanted something, he knew how to manipulate the system in order to get what he wanted. He wanted his father's blessing before he passed away. But he wasn't going to receive the blessing because he had a brother who was older than him, Esau. Not much older, literally just a matter of seconds. They were twins, but Esau was the firstborn of the two. And in the Jewish tradition, that meant that Esau was to receive the blessing of the father. But Jacob, and not just Jacob alone, but but even with his mother, schemed to take that blessing away from Esau. And they did just that. Now, let me tell you what happened. The brother Esau wasn't happy about what had happened to him. And he made it his vow that, that one day he was going to kill his brother Jacob because of his actions toward him. So his mother, Rebekah, and his father, Isaac, said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave the land that you're living in because we fear for your life, and we want you to go to the land of your relatives. Go to your uncle's house, Uncle Laban, and I want you to reside there for a while till things start to die down. Now, Isaac gave Jacob other instruction while he was there. He said, you know, and while you're there, find yourself a wife because I don't want you marrying one of these Canaanite women down here. I want you to to marry somebody that's from the the pure bloodline, as they would say. And because of his willingness to circumvent circumstances, to to try to manipulate life to to be something that he wanted, that he had to leave his home and leave his family. And he did just that. Jacob left his home and and he went to live with his uncle. And there he prospered. Sounds odd, doesn't it? A man who's fleeing for his life because of his trickery that he puts in the lives of everyone else. That he he leaves a land 
and goes somewhere else and prospers. Roughly 20 years Jacob spent with his uncle. And in that time, he, he obtained two wives. He learned a lesson on that one. Because just like he conned people, his uncle conned him. See, Jacob said, Jacob said, I want to marry this daughter right over here. This is the love of my life. This is the one I want. And the uncle said, you know what? I'm going to let you have her as your wife, but, but you have to work for me for a certain amount of time in order to win her hand. And when the day came to be wed, Jacob showed up for the wedding ceremony. The bride was veiled. He went home expecting to find his beautiful wife only to open up the, the veil to find that it was not the wife that he chose. It was the other sister. Trickery. It comes back and bites you, I promise you, at some point. But you know what? I think that that was God's way of teaching Jacob. You know what? If you keep acting like this, if you keep trying to, to make circumstances your way by trickery, then someone's going to start playing those same tricks on you. You better change your ways because what God is doing there is this. He is being the potter. He's taken Jacob and he's put him in an environment that, that he may or may not like. And he's experiencing situations that, that aren't comfortable for him. But that's God's way of, uh, of pushing and shaping and molding to help Jacob let go of a way of life that, that God knows that in the future is going to cause him harm. Because God knows he has something planned good for Jacob. And he wants to be sure that, that he's prepared for it. And in that time, Jacob received the wives. He received children. He received riches and his own flock. But then the day came that just like his brother sought to kill him, his uncle sought to do the same thing. So God spoke to Jacob he said, this is what I want you to do, Jacob. Now I want you to take all your belongings and I want you to, to go back home. Go back to the land where we already know you're a wanted man. Go back to the land where you know you're not loved to flee the current danger. And I think that's what we have to do as well. And I think it's part of the, the shaping and molding that, that God does in our lives. Not that he wants to put us in danger. That's not what I'm saying. But that he wants to, to give us a command. And even though we look to the future and, and in our mind, because of our experiences, we expect one outcome. In this circumstance, Jacob expects to go back home to find a brother who has been angry for over 20 years. But he had nowhere else to go. But by faith, he chose to follow the word of God. And I would love to say that when he left his uncle's home to, to go back to his family's land, that he went with confidence that nothing was going to happen to him. But that wasn't the case. And I think that that in itself says something to us as a people as well, that, that when we step out on faith, that, that we can't always expect 
the unexpected. That we have to rationalize what it is that we may encounter. And we have to choose how we're going to respond to that. Jacob chose to trust God and go back home. And he went with fear. And as he approached his home, he sent servants out to find his brother. And they, they went to Esau and, and they delivered a message to him. And I like the way that Jacob had them deliver this message. Tell my brother that your servant is coming to you. You see, that's important to know because when Jacob earned or took the birthright, he became Lord over Esau's life. But now when he's in a pinch, when he's in need, when, when the pressure is on, and he knows that he has to, to face that brother again, he knows that he can't face him with the arrogance of saying, I'm here to rule over you. Because he knows that he needs sanctuary from his brother. Tell them my servant is coming. And Jacob went beyond that. He didn't just send servants, but he sent gifts of, of herds and riches to, to Esau, hoping to find favor in his eyes. Do you see the difference that God made in his life? He took a man who was confident in his own self and in his own ability, and he put him in a, in a situation where he was forced to look within and say, you know what? I am now dependent upon the grace of my Lord to get me through. I am now dependent upon the grace of my God to help me find sanctuary. I am now dependent upon the grace of my God to help me find favor in the eyes of the one that I've done wrong. God took him from arrogance to humility so that he could enjoy the life that God had planned for him. And Esau came to find Jacob. And he didn't come alone when, when Esau saw him come, or when Jacob saw Esau coming, he saw his brother along with an army of 400 men coming along with him. What would be going through your mind if you saw that? I myself would be thinking, trouble's coming and it's just on the horizon. And I have nowhere to go. And, and I have nothing that I can do to, to protect myself. Except to depend upon the grace of God. And hope for his mercy. And when he saw, came face to face with Jacob. 
the proud fell to his knees before his brother and begged for mercy. You see, we think that going to our knees shows weakness. We think that asking for help says that I can't do it on my own. But the truth is, is that that we are a people who were created to be part of community. And in that community, we depend upon one another. If one of you don't show up, we all suffer. And Esau forgave Jacob and said, Welcome. Come back home to the land, brother. Receive my forgiveness and and, and don't worry about the past. The, The past is the past. It's dead. It's gone. Come and live under the protection of my kingdom. And Jacob sent his entire family to be in that land along with all of his riches. But he stayed behind one more night. We want to emphasize here that in his time, God blessed him greatly. God, knowing that that Jacob had every capability of taking that blessing and throwing it away, but yet God blessed him anyways. And God left the land, or took Jacob from the land in which he blessed him and was sending him back home to the land where he was thought to be in danger. It was a land that that God was preparing for him. But it came to that point in Jacob's life that God had to make sure that Jacob got the point. You see, that night Jacob got into a wrestling match. One translation says that he fought with a man. Another says that he fought with God. And the other one says that he, he fought with an angel. We're not really sure which one it was, but, but we do know this, that it was a heavenly being. And in the end, that man that he fought with blessed Jacob by changing his name to Israel, which means one who has contended with God. You see, when that angel or, the, or that, that figure of God approached Jacob and they began to wrestle. It's the symbolic of what happens in our lives sometimes. We wrestle with God. We, we say we're wrestling with ourselves and we're wrestling with our own thought processes and we're wrestling with our own decision making. But what we're really wrestling with is God. And God isn't going to let go. And he didn't let go of Jacob. And what's funny is that in this circumstance, Jacob didn't let go of God. The man finally said to Jacob, enough is enough. Let go of me. 
you ever been to that point in your life where you fought with God and you wrestled with God about circumstances or situations or about a calling that he's put on your life? Only to hear God say, enough is enough. Let go. You put up a good fight. You contended with God. But let me take you into your land of promise. Isn't that man of God took his finger and touched the hip of Jacob? dislocating it. And I think that it was that time in in Jacob's life that that he came to understand that that no matter how hard he fights, that no matter how hard he holds on, that, that no matter how hard he contends, God will always be the most powerful and the one in control. with the simple touch of a finger he changed his entire life the man was humbled to the point of obedience moved into his land and through him the nation of Israel was born See, it was Jacob's son, Joseph, who was sold into slavery, who was sent to Egypt, who brought his family down during times of tribulation, which created a a great multitude of people that God was able to use to reveal his power and his identity to the world. He is the potter. We're the clay. And sometimes in life, God takes that masterpiece that he created in you and starts it anew. Would you let God be that God in your life? Will you let him work in your life to bring out the best so that he can give you the best? Will you allow him to control the circumstances of the world? Live in the moment. Love God. and Love your neighbor. You see, we read all these passages of scriptures about God's anger and about his wrath. It's not because he wants to hurt us. It's because he wants to help us.
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and thank you for this time that you've given us to come together in your house. And Father God, as we prepare to close this portion of the service and as we prepare to move into Holy Communion, help us to understand the, the sacrifice, Father God, that your Son gave on the cross that, that we can be able to stand here today free from guilt of sin. That we can stand here today being a people who are blessed. That we can stand here today being a people that you have shaped and formed. A people who are servants in your eyes and servants to our communities. Shape us and mold us, Father God, into the people that you would have us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. From our God who loves us with an everlasting love, who brings forth a new creation in Christ, who leads us by the Spirit in the wilderness, grace and abundant mercy be with you all. Amen.